0: Welcome back to the Reinvention Roadmap. It's great to have you today. Our guest this week perfectly exemplifies the theme of reinvention that we want to feature on this podcast. He went from being a sewage worker to being a coal miner, and now he works as a copywriter and a mindset coach. It's an amazing journey, and I can't wait to find out more about him. So please welcome my guest this week, Arnold Flores, Arnold, thank you so much for joining. I know it's really early, so I think it's going to be a fun experiment to find out what it's like to interview someone at 7 a.m. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, thank you, Shushal. It's, it's, it's great to be on your podcast. It's great to to share some interesting parts of my journey and, and reinvention, transformation, revelation, and my own thinking and past Mm-hmm. And I'm excited to to get into it. So,
0: yep, let's get started. So, where are you calling in from today?
1: I am in, located in Gillette, Wyoming. Little small coal mining town, thirty thousand people. Yeah, it's just a, a quiet state, open nature. Yeah, that's where I'm where I'm from, Gillette, Wyoming.
0: Awesome. I noticed that you mentioned in a bit of your writing online that your difficult jobs prepared you for your life right now. So I want to get what the mindset was when you were working in sewage. What was your life like when you were working that job?
1: Sure. I'll back up even a few more years before that. I'll actually start from the beginning. It started in March of 1983. And I was, I was born in a, in a dungy, dark apartment. I wasn't even born in a hospital. So my and I and I don't even know the whole story to that. My parents just had me there at the apartment building, and that's where it all started with uh, hard, hard learning about poverty. As I grew older, I and I started to learn about life and money and all that. My my first experience I had was when I was around seven years old, and I had a dollar thirty for a week's lunch. And you know, I didn't think anything about that. You know, it's like okay, I we we're this is this is home. This is what we do. There's I didn't see any nothing felt unusual to me. Uh, but I had that dollar thirty for lunch. My mom says, "Hey, put that, give that to the teacher so they can deposit that for the lunch." And I get to school, and there's another schoolmate that says, "Hey, there's a book fair here at the school," and I got this magazine you should get this magazine (laughs) and I'm like, well, I got to, I, this is the only money I have. This is for my lunch, but that pressure and just, you know, being vulnerable at the moment, I ended up buying the magazine Mm -hmm. and, um, I get home. Mom says, Hey, you know, what's this magazine? Where'd you get it? And I, I just say, Hey, yeah, uh, the money that you gave me for, for lunch, that's what I bought. And I just got barked at. She just said, "Oh, my gosh, how could you be doing that? that's that's all we have." And that was like my first like hardcore learning about, oh, like mm. don't don't go against the rules. Don't do that. Keep your head down. just do as you're told. But that carried on well into in through school. And then right after school, I couldn't afford uh, college. So I started to hunt for for jobs and I did construction uh, for a short time, and I did carpet cleaning. And then around t- uh, 19, 20 years old, I got into sewage work. And yeah, I had six days a week slopping in all the feces and just really, really dirty, dark job. And I did that for about three years. And my mindset was always, you know, keep your head down. Don't question the boss. Don't just, you know, keep to yourself and don't go out of your box of things. So I did that for about three years, six days a week, seven bucks an hour. It was pretty hard just to put food on the table. And then that led to one day while I was cleaning out one of these giant, dirty porta potties it was hot and it was dusty and dirty. It was at a coal pit. And so one day I'm, I'm pulling out, I'm getting to wrap, wrap it up and I see this giant truck pull into the wash bay to get clean there at the, at the mine site. And at that moment, I I don't know what happened or what, but I just started to question stuff. I was like, I wonder, I want to drive one of those. How do I do that? How do I get into that? Because Mm -hmm. here in the coal mining industry, this was like the top job in my community. Like if you could be a coal miner, man, you got it made. And I just began to sit with that question. I couldn't go to sleep at night. I, I was just like, how do I get that job? What do I do? and that's how i discovered networking without understanding networking i was just had to talk to people had to to find out where the applications were where do i go online who do i meet and this is where arnold like the real me started to piece together and so <laughs> as i as i learned all this hard unknown stuff about myself i started to feel more confidence, more strength in my soul. I was getting energy that I didn't know I had just by this little action of with asking questions. Then uh, after about a few months of researching and diving into where I need to go to get this coal mining job, I get it. And I go from seven bucks an hour to 19 bucks an hour. And I'm thinking to myself, all right, like, how did I do this? i All started with, you know, just challenging my own mindset, my own questions instead of just seeking the answer. Just go for the question. And that is how I made that transformation mm. and reinvention of myself. And once I st- started to get aware of like, okay, I don't need to just go out there and find a quick fix I need to go and do action. I need to reinvent the way I'm thinking.
0: I wanted to ask you, based on conditioning, you spoke about learning that you have only a dollar thirty for lunch and being told at such a young age that you can't screw up and this is what you have. You have to work with this. So how did you start working on that mindset because changing mindset is quite difficult. I have noticed from my personal experience that the conditioning that you have from when you are like a kid stays for a long time. So when you are transforming your life from working in sewage to going to coal mining, there must have been that shift in mindset. And tell us more about that.
1: Yes. and And so as I'm going through this process of sewage, to coal mining i started to review the past and not reviewing the past as a problem but more as part of the of the transformation i started to see it how it unfolds by being grateful for all of my problems and i don't know how that even happened at first, but I I started to realize as each day passed, all the problems that got stacked on each other were meant for my good. And I I don't know, that's some sort of like spiritual, weird woo-woo stuff there, but it conditioned me, the the problems made me less flabby in my mind. (laughs) And then, so I wasn't growing up in poverty and having all, I mean, there was many other things, what, growing up too, like we'll go right back to my childhood where I was at the grocery store and I had another event where my mom, we they were scanning the groceries. I was just a little kid and my mom, is hand, she's not handing over money. And this wasn't a time, I don't think debit cards were a, a thing then, but she handed over a slip. And I just asked like, hey mom, like what's that in public in front of the cashier? And she says, don't ask that question. Do not ask that question ever again. Okay, not, not gonna, I'm not gonna ask. And as time progressed, I realized that those were food stamps. Those were to get uh, you know credit for for so I, all of this stuff started to feel uncomfortable. But reviewing that as I got through problems and had more problems come to me, I was like, okay, I have to be thankful for this situation and this event and give thanks for it because that is the experience is transforming and reinventing my mind to take on more problems as they unfolded. doesn't matter if it's at home, coal mining, sewage. It just created a bigger soul into me that could have armor to take on on issues. And so all of it really came down to experience. It wasn't I didn't really know about hacks or tricks or secrets. I just had to go through it. And that's what conditioned my my mind to do bigger risks, bigger obstacles. It and it doesn't mean that I have nerves of steel. It doesn't mean that I don't cry or that I don't get nervous. Or in fact I was nervous right before the podcast. I'm like, well, what am I gonna say? What am I you know, like what's gonna unfold here?
0: I was nervous as well, so
1: yeah. So like, you know, my heart goes a little bit fast and then I realize oh, okay, like I've been through so much in the past. Thank you for conditioning my, my heartbeat. Thank you for conditioning my mind to take on new things and new conversations and all the un- unknown stuff, because it's, once you go through it, you realize, wow, I'm so thankful for having that strength from my past, from sewage work, from coal mining. And by the way, a little side note: I did coal mining for thirteen years. It wasn't just like a couple years, and then I'm going to look at copywriting and see what what happens. I'm going to look at mindset coaching. No, it was a long, hard road to learn about myself. There was there was money issues. There was fatalities in in the coal pit. Injuries. Oh my gosh, so much stuff that transformed the way i i look at life and how i see the dimension of time like Mm. when i was in hard parts of my life i just wanted to get through it so fast i wanted things to end so quick and that was where the deeper transformation and and reinvention came was let me look at time much differently now don't look at it as like a hurry hurry up and get this done which was like all of my programming as a kid in school and at jobs which was don't don't question things but i'm like questions are what get me to the new to the next level the uncomfortable stuff to standing up to what i feel is not right what what i feel is not good for me why why am i why is the world telling me to shut up and that's where it all started to come together and into mindset and and copywriting, which was like I'm writing about emotions and I've had real world experiences with emotions, like deep stuff, dark stuff, hard stuff, and it was like a switch in slow motion. I was like, I could see the switch, just go over there and then hit it, and then once I hit it, the uh, illumination happened it was like whoa like how am i why am i seeing things so much differently than old co-workers or certain family members like how is this happening <laughs> and it's just it's been a it's been a great experience to have and i'm so thankful for all of the problems i wouldn't say that i didn't have a hard time or that i wasn't i don't have any shame or guilt with it because that's just part of my human self but to challenge it on to look at it and then re- reframe it and not look at it as a a bad thing but as a blessing that has been the big that has been the seed in the garden to make this whole thing change for me so I was bearing fruit to to enjoy my own garden so
0: you spoke about shame and guilt and I I know that feeling it's like when you let go of a, a job that pays the bills and brings a paycheck in at the end of the month there's a lot of shame associated with when you're making a change or like oh why am i not being grateful this job pays my bills and, and takes care of me then why should i leave it or you know when when you were about to leave coal mining uh, a job that was paying like 19 bucks an hour or something like that did you experience shame and guilt and how did you overcome that for wanting something new?
1: Every single day, I had shame and guilt. I constantly had conversations about what I should, this was in my own head of what should I be doing this? Should I even be thinking this? And that is where a lot of the, I got exposed to the wiring in my head, which was, you know, shut up. Don't ask questions. Just keep your head down and go with the flow. And I just knew I wasn't – this part of my my guts were communicating with my brain. And they were having this constant pull and fight at the table. Like two drunks at a table going like, ah, oh, it should be this way. <laughs> but no, it should be this way. Bring another round. Let's talk about it some more and it would just get vicious at times i would just be like man this is a this is a mess look at these two voices having this conversation and i would just have this moment where i would step out of my own head and be like whoa there's a there's a lot of stuff going on there and my gut kept conversations with the wiring in my head saying you know it it seems like the right thing to do but it do- it's not good for you and that is the the line where i always have when i have issues i would say for example like in coal mining the, the boss would say hey you know go do that that's the right this is the right thing this is the rules go do that but my guts my my inner my spirit would say that is not good i i should not be doing that so Yeah, back to the shame and guilt. Of course I did. Every day I would have these conversations with myself, but then it led to the wiring in my head of saying like, wait a second, questions are what got me out of it. And so asking questions to myself, journaling it out, writing out deep stuff in private with no judgment, no editor on, allowed me to debunk the beast. I just kept drilling at it. I was going like, so you see it this way, but what about this? What happens if, you, you know, weird stuff, like, well, wait a minute, but if you don't do this and you die next week, will you regret it? <laughs> I was like, oh. But you'd be dead then. Right, I would be yeah. like, and then I would be float. My, my body would be floating, or my spirit would be floating above my body at at the cemetery going like, man, like, really? Like, you just wasted all that time worrying? Or, or doing all that? And... Yeah, and so I would have a ton of of guilt on the on both sides going like if you do this there's going to be some risk if you stay here there's going to be some risk. But then I started to realize well wait a second there's always a risk if I get in my car and go to the grocery store. Like if you can predict to me that 100% I'm going to be safe um there's always a chance there's always a risk or stepping out of the shower. I had a coworker in the coal mining field whose dad stepped out of the shower slipped broke his neck paralyzed for the rest of his life. Ugh. right. And 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 I was like, "Wow, I'm not hearing this story on accident. I'm not having these questions on accident. All I'm doing is getting the way and slowing down my own thinking of what I'm of of who I am, what I need to do. And I'm not put on earth here just to pay bills and die and that required a lot of courage and energy and time and I had to be intentional with isolating from people and just spending time with myself and just really drilling down with a with a pen and a a piece of paper and just being my own consultant and when you spend enough time with no distractions with that weird, strange stuff starts to brew. And that's where you get energy for that conversation. It's like, okay, this is starting to to make me curious about my own life, not other people, not other books, not other gurus myself, where I wasn't spending a lot of time with. And then once that began to emerge, I could ask, I could ask better questions. And those questions led to, bigger events in my life. So, so yeah.
0: Got it. Awesome. So coming back to your life as a coal miner, there must have been this moment of revelation where you felt like this can't go on anymore. And, you know, this, I have to, I have to choose a better life. I need to do this transformation again. I have done it before and I'm going to do it again. So what was that moment which led you to really assess that this is not working for you and you want to make the switch and move to something more fulfilling?
1: Oh my gosh, do I have a good nutshell of a story for you?
0: The floor is yours, my friend.
1: Yes, yeah. One night, in the coal pit, there's no plumbing. It's a 12-hour shift. It's an hour commute to in an hour commute back home. So about 14, 15 hours, depending on the weather, we don't, they didn't shut down for anything, holidays, whatever. We just keep going. This is about eight years ago. It was a night shift. It was hot. It was a, just another day at work. And I'm driving this big honka 240 ton truck up a, up a hill. And everybody communicates by radio. And as I'm driving up, it's about midnight, so I'm a little tired, but what catches my attention as I get at the top of this hill is I hear on the radio, mayday, 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 man down, and that shook my bones enough. When you hear mayday, it could be anything. It could be a fire, but when they say man down, that means somebody's hurt. It's been acknowledged. We need to get medical help right away, so I get at the top. I park my truck, and we wait it out. Now, these maydays last about 20, 30 minutes. They get cleared out because there's medical help in the pit, people that are trained to help people. So it's a good system to have. But as I'm looking at the clock, and it's dark, and all I can see is the, the sky and the coal pit and little like lights from the pieces of equipment. So it looks like you're looking into the abyss of space. But I look at my watch and it's an hour has passed. And I'm thinking, okay, like this guy's got to have a big cut or a a broken leg and he's stuck and they got to get him out and it takes a little bit more time. Okay. But it's dead silent and that's what's making it eerie and strange for me. So I'm just thinking and I'm looking and the clouds start to roll in. It's covering the moon. It's just a cloudy night. It's just really eerie. And then I look at the clock and two hours have passed. And I'm thinking, okay, whatever's going on, I'm just not having a good feeling in my body here. I don't know what it is. And I hope it's not the the worst. So I see a, a truck, a little Ford truck, barreling through the road, all through the bumps, just boom, boom, getting closer and closer to me. Pulls right in front of me and guy gets out and says, Arnold, shut it off. We need you need to come down here now. No joke. Get off your piece of equipment now. Okay. All right. I'll get down, climb down this twelve foot ladder. I get it into the truck. And nobody's talking. There's it's full of dirty, dusty guys, and they're just silent. No words. Nobody's talking. Again, my body's not feeling the best here. I'm like, okay. So we get up to the top, which is the the what we call for a place for locker rooms and plumbing so that they can get ready for the shift. At this time, it's about 3 a.m., so everybody's dirty. There's a couple people crying in the front, and it's just hitting me all at once. It's like everyone's fatigued. Their faces are covered in dust. They just look. Everyone looks depressed. It's like, oh, my gosh, I don't know what's going on here. So I take my seat, and the mine manager comes in from wherever – he lives and he gets up and there's no break he just gets right up front catches everybody's attention he says hey everybody we just had a fatality out here somebody just got killed and right then there it was just the edge just the edge i was like i know i don't need to be out here but i wasn't convinced yet you know and somebody had, had said okay we had a fatality they raised their hand and say we had a fatality you got to have time to to clean up. What, what are we going to do? Do we show up for the next shift? And the mind manager says, you know, we're just going to go ahead and continue with work. We're going to clean this stuff up, but we're just going to go ahead and keep operations going. And that was like the big one for me, which was – That's if awful. This was, right. If this was me and we just got to keep things going – Yeah, that that was it. That was me going, okay, Like, what's next? What do I do? How do I even think about this? And so I didn't quit like the next day or the next year or the next two years. I waited another seven years to quit. And that's when I had that moment of how fear and how systems work which is some days you do have to move your emotions out of the way and you need to get the stuff done. But then sometimes you have to question things and go, it's not if this is the right thing or the wrong thing, but is this the good thing? Mm-hmm. And that was like, oh, I've had these events and I, I'm using it as fuel for this moment in time and space. What do I do? What do, do I need to have more patience? Absolutely. I need to get my emotions out of the way. You can't just do something spontaneous and bust out like the next day because you don't feel great about it. And so that led to a $2 auxiliary cord that I bought. And I said, okay, the next day, instead of 12 hours of listening to the the baseball game and the football game and music with lyrics that aren't even serving me, why don't I go ahead and just start listening to books, podcasts, courses, all of that. And so for two years, I just pounded personal development. Les Brown, Jim Rohn, Dennis Waitley, Tony Robbins, just anything I could get my hands on, I would just gobble it up all day. And so I turned that piece of equipment into a a university on wheels. I was schooling myself on like, okay, instead of I, I get paid for this, but how can I leverage time? And mm-hmm. I, it was just a simple question, simple ch- choice of just taking action on it. Then then after about two years of personal development and getting my mind more fit for an exit out, then I went into – to started to study marketing, sales, copywriting, more copywriting than anything else. And then on my vacation times, I would go into networking events. I would go to Perry Marshall events. I would go to copy chief events in person and just meet with business owners and see how they operate, see how they think, see how they question things. And I started to put all these pieces together and I realized, okay, like you got to keep doing that for another few years. And then that's how I developed that new reinvention and transformation in my head i was like nothing's ever going to be perfect but if you spend time and energy and focus on doing these things and having a i having wonder with it as well knowing that because i can't predict the future all i can see is patterns and patience then i can exit out and that's what i did i stacked cash for a period of time because by the time I left coal mining, I was making like 30, thirty-eight bucks an hour around there. So I had opportunities. I was like, okay, like I do am not gonna waste time here doing this. Like when I just, you know, uh-huh. do this and then and get out. So that's how that in a nutshell, I tried my best in like, you know, a few minutes. But yeah, so that's what happened. And and the journey continues into into being a new a mindset coach and learning. I'm always learning about other people, myself, and just looking to see where I can ask questions. And and that leads to to today, you know, which is like, okay, I'm on a podcast with Shishul and I'm just like rambling about the past and how it helped me reinvent my, my life.
0: Your ramble is someone else's golden nugget of information. Yeah. It's very interesting that you mentioned that you – actually use this mindset coaching technique on yourself first through challenging assumptions by asking questions etc now for a person who's reinventing themselves one of the big blockers is risk and like how to manage risk a lot of people don't take that leap of faith because they're worried about what will they do and and will things work out So how did you manage risk after coming from a comfortable job to kind of doing something uncertain?
1: That's a great question. The word that comes to mind is repetition, programming and repetition and how I program a new habit, new thinking, new thought, whatever is repetition is I wake up every morning, get to that notepad and just start writing it out how can I have a conversation in private with no judgment? That's the great thing about the privacy of a notepad. There isn't somebody saying like, no, you shouldn't write that. Or, you know, you just have this habit and repetition of, of getting comfortable with conversations with yourself because that inner voice is what's the loudest voice, regardless of what you're seeing on social media and family members and all that. Like it's, that one voice is going to lead you wherever you wherever you want to go or wherever you don't want to go. And so repetition and the conversation with yourself and knowing yourself, studying yourself, getting comfortable, because through the repetition, like the more writing you do, the, the easier it is, the more comfortable it is. The more podcasts you do, the easier, it just flows better and you're getting used to it. But that's what I do with myself. I'm just constantly asking questions, like, "What's rubbing me wrong today?" and "What do I need to get out so that I can start thinking clear about this risk?" and start asking questions. And I and I wish it was an overnight thing, you know, for the mm-hmm. listeners right now, going like, "Oh, can I just do this tonight?" and then tomorrow, like, "Ah, <laughs> it's it's all done." Uh, no, um, it's going to take some work. It's going to take some time. But if you I don't know. Thirty minutes in the morning, if, if you're focused and there's no phone or or nothing to distract you, you would be surprised what comes out. How much gunk and and bullshit that's just like, oh, like why am I spending time with this fluffy question? This que- but this question here, woo. If I if I can just get a, an inch closer to answering it, then we're on to something big. And that's what it is. It's repetition with your own programming, what the the thoughts coming in, like maybe it's meditation, maybe it's prayer, maybe whatever. But I just know if you get focused, that number one superpower of focus, which everybody has, and put it on that one thing, then you start to Put a nation of of an army around that question and it's poking it. And it's going like, you're not so bad. Actually, I see you a different way. I see in the weak points in you. And that's when it all starts to change is repetition, programming, the self-talk. It's like, what's the inner voice going? What's it saying all day long? And once you catch on to it, it's going to have to agree with it. Your own brain is going to have to optimize for that for that thinking and it and once you do that it it gets faster, it gets quicker, it gets better, it gets stronger. So
0: well said. You mentioned social media, no matter what social media says, it's your own voice that actually tells you whatever you don't want to hear sometimes. But have you still found staying away from social media or something has alleviated uh, the negative chatter from that voice
1: yes yeah Uh, the more time i spend on social media the more time i'm getting programmed to my old crazy self because there's too many voices on there and there's too many boobs and there's too many butts and there's too many (laughs) many all sorts of Things that trigger my lizard brain and hijack my thinking. And that's why I encourage anybody to get really comfortable with their own social media voice, whatever's going on in their head, to get comfortable with that. Don't ignore it. Don't put it to the side. Don't, don't go to other voices and other symbols and other images to program you. Get really comfortable with what's emerging from your own imagination and question it. Look at it. Play with it. Break it down. And once you do that, then you can approach social media and look at it and say, I know that's bullshit. I know that that's not even true. And all these other people are believing it. And that's when you have that moment of like, whoa, all this stuff is just hijacked. It's it's constantly reminding them of what's wrong now look the world's burning down things are bad you shouldn't be single right now you should be married and have all of this and all this other inputs coming in when you haven't even cleaned out all the stuff that's already in there so it's just bloating getting bigger and getting uglier and as you do that you just feel drunk on worry drunk on stuff that you don't even need because you're not even meant to have the weight of the world on your shoulders. But social media, for some weird way, it it twists reality and makes you feel like this should be your problem. When in reality, the biggest thing for most people, even in myself, which was like, answer this one question, who are you, Arnold? And I was like, I don't know. I don't know what I am. I don't know what this is. And my biggest problem was I wasn't even spending time with the question. I was spending time on on Facebook feeds and trending tabs and the news. And all that stuff is just a distraction. All it is just getting me off of my own real work, which needs to be done. Is like, okay, who am I? What am I most afraid of? Not the stuff on the news, but in my own life. And then question it and you start drilling it down and the beauty about all this is it doesn't really require any technology you don't you don't need like a computer or an app or a website for it it's all in you because rarely will you find the answer on the outside because the outside usually is like a new app or a new like trick or something like that and it's not that it's really it's always been in you but you never put any focus on it because there's too many distractions out there.
0: I often found myself buying crap off of social media just because it told me I'm lacking something. And I I didn't know what to do. It was just this, this constant finger pointing at me that you're inadequate in a B C kind of way. And you have to always like purchase our products to be a better person. So what you said made a lot of sense. Now, Before the call, you mentioned that you spend about 30 minutes each morning in your no-technology zone. Tell us more about that.
1: That is my favorite part of the day. I look forward to it so, so much now. And my old uh, sewage, poverty, coal mining self would have been like, that is complete horse crap don't well that is just a waste of time journaling is for girls and all of that stuff because you know it's hard job rugged stuff but i look forward to it every day and to the point now if i miss a little bit of it or i'm off track i feel very uncomfortable i don't feel the best i feel like it's the best nourishment for my mind my spirit so yeah, I have this this isolation corner, no no tech, where I spend time with my higher self and the divine, God, whatever you b- believe in. But that's that's what I do there, and spend time reading some old ancient text. Uh, usually it's the Bible. Sometimes it's uh, Stoic Marcus Aurelius and all that. But it taught me so much about what truth is and how much bullshit's out there and how much it twists reality twists emotions twists so much stuff that it messes with it messed with my dimension of looking at time i always looked at everything like i got to have it now i need to to get my pleasure centers reached right now which my old self was wake up turn on social media, get my dope fix, I'm good for the day. But man, was I starting to feel that started to catch up with me. I was getting depressed like a low grade depression, empty, none of my deeper questions were getting answered. You know, so all of the these dope centers were getting food and all sorts of stuff that wasn't serving me. And over here I have to challenge myself and be bored. I have to dig. I have to get the riddle out and look at it and study it. And part of that is myself. Part of that is with journaling. Even like I find myself when I'm not here and my wife's not in the house, I'll talk to myself throughout the house. And once that thing comes unhinged, oh my gosh, there's some really cool, like, where'd that come from? Why am I thinking this? Oh, that's really cool. And so I had to challenge myself and go, okay, close the door. Go to that isolation corner and do that with a pen and paper. And at the start of my day, if I can get those questions to the front and get all the bullshit out, <clears throat> then I have bandwidth to take on bigger things, bigger obstacles, bigger questions. I'm not so um, sensitive to things I'm not, and I can detect bullshit better. And that allows me to think clearer and allow creativity to come in. When all that stuff is out, then like create creations like just coming left and right. I just use the world as like leverage to <clears throat> come up with things. So like, you know, go into the grocery store and the cashiers tell me about her life, even though it's five minutes of scanning groceries, I'm not just I'm present with the conversation, but I start to realize that people really need interaction they want stuff to come out why is she telling me her life story in five minutes and i started to realize like sometimes they don't uh, have time or they don't put time aside to let that exercise out so that they have time to absorb more it's more of like a of a push to who can i find to let stuff out with And when you let that build up and and you're not aware of it, it can weigh you down. You just feel like you're carrying too much stuff. So, yeah, I encourage people, go for a walk in the morning uh, before you turn on any tech or journal. uh, Maybe just sit with a cup of coffee and kind of stare at the ceiling for a little bit and just be with yourself. And then just let some of that stuff out. And then that is when you have that moment of clarity of, I don't need something coming in from the radio or television or social media because that stuff's just going to you're going to keep filling up the server and everything's going to bug out and everything slow and you feel like you need to get updated but you don't know how to get updated. Mm-hmm. And you're just constantly looking for like how am I missing this? So, yes, isolation, get yourself a little uh, a little, <laughs> a little prison for yourself and challenge yourself to get a little bored and dig for the gold. And once you do that and you get, train yourself to have a, an endorphin fix or something, it's like a workout, like nobody wants to do the, the hard workout, but afterwards you just feel really good. Get those, get washed up in those good chemicals because that will make your life, uh, make more sense, but you'll see digits differently. You'll see time differently. You'll see all sorts of things in a a different perspective to see it as an opportunity and not as a problem.
0: Is there anything else that you have as part of a daily ritual that you follow diligently and don't miss a single day?
1: Yeah, uh, another one, it sounds kind of... Not important, but it's pretty important for me is I get outside and I walk with my dog. Nature is all, it's zero noise, but all signal. So when I walk with my dog, my dog has, it's not thinking about, I just look at her and I'm like, wow, my chocolate lab, eight years old, starting to get gray hair, isn't as strong, which makes me a little sad because I, I miss her being like so active but she's growing in age and not worried about bills not worried about mortgage payment not worried about if i'm gonna have a hundred thousand followers just so present and then i would see the blades of grass and i would see the trees and i would have that moment it's like this ground is gonna hold my bones someday what am i thinking about and why am i thinking what i'm thinking you know, that once, like, why is it even, like, why is this, why am I optimized for bullshit? I should just get rid of that and putting a new program. So nature, woo, it is like, once you start to hear the birds sing, and you start to feel the wind, and you're realizing, like, with too much noise, you'll miss that stuff. And that stuff is really good for you. It's, mm-hmm. it's simple, and it seems kind of over, like, it's not important, but... When you start to have really good questions and you let that stuff out and you get that therapy from nature, you, you're gonna you're gonna feel pretty good.
0: That's awesome. Before we go, if you'd like to share something with our listeners who want to reinvent themselves but they don't know where to start, what would you tell them?
1: Well, that's a great question. I would say, I would tell them, look at what to cut out. And not to add. Get really involved with subtraction. Get really involved with what you can remove that isn't serving you. That is hitting those pleasure centers, but you know it's not good for you. Really challenge yourself with that. Because if you can do that, if you can subtract that idol out of your life, you have become unstoppable. You will no longer be pulled in different directions as you thought you were in the past. And you will have more control of what you can control. And that is a superpower today is, you know, out there, they're trying to distract you because your number one power is your focus. And I'll add a lot another note to this you'll see how people scream about how they're broke, how they can't do it. They're feeling so much heartache and they're not successful. But here's the thing. Out there, if they can distract your mind, know this, that they don't really want your success. They don't want your money. They don't want to see you fail. All they want is, is to distract you with your focus. And if they can rob your focus, then they're easily, I mean instantly, they can screw up your success, your money, your perspective of time, all of that. So the number one superpower you have is focus. And if you can focus on subtracting things out, cutting things out, getting grabbing that sword and slicing off all that stuff that's unwanted, you're going to have a quantum leap in your thinking and your success.
0: Thank you. Thank you so much for that, Arnold. It was a beautiful message. And thank you so much for coming on to the Reinvented Roadmap. And if you haven't done it already, you can connect with Arnold at arnold-flores.com or follow him on Twitter at A. Flores, copywriter. He has some really interesting nuggets of information over there, and I can't wait for you to find out. Thank, Thank you for you tuning Shishol.
1: in. Thank you, Shishul.